Hello and welcome to Too Fast Too Forever. There's all kinds of family, and we chose this one. It's episode 150, Paris, Texas from 1984. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Too. And this episode's brought to you by Texas Instruments. T-I-N-Spire C-X-C-A-S handheld graphing calculator. Shout out to Texas Instruments. Well, shout out to Texas Instruments and welcome to episode 150. It just feels like, you know, just in this very quarantine, this very lockdown, we were celebrating episode 100 and here we we are, 150, doing two a week, burning through, burning rubber, proverbial metaphorical rubber, to talk about Paris, Texas, as People might remember we uh, rescheduled. Today was supposed to be a Nico Kevo episode. We rescheduled to accommodate their schedules. So that will come next week. But this week, we've got Paris, Texas today, Shutter Island on Friday. Big week. But, Joe, extracurricular activities. What have you been up to since we last spoke? I've been watching Trash TV because this this Wednesday Steelers game really threw my fucking week off. And, like, between, like, the game on Wednesday and the shitty weather we've been having every day kind of feels like a Sunday. I needed like a mental detox this week. So I've been watching reality TV. I told you about this show that we were watching before called smothered. And it was yep. about weird relationships between mothers, mothers and, and daughters. daughters. Yep. Yeah. Well, TLC made another version and it's called, I love Smothered. a mom. No, no, it's called, I love a mama's boy. And it's weird relationships between oh, mothers boy. and their sons. Okay. This is arguably better because the moms say the rowdiest shit to their girlfriends to their faces. Stuff that you would never imagine would come out of someone's mouth, like directly to their faces. They're just like, oh, like, I know that my son won't be happy with you and I'm trying to find him a new girlfriend, like, to their face. You know, so it's not like you're, like, a dumb bitch or, like, whatever. It's, it's like, stuff like that. And you're like, oh, God, like, you could think this, but you don't say it. I have a very important question for you, and this is based what? on a tweet that you had sent. Like, we both sent very different tweets within a minute of oh, each yes. other the other night. You said that TLC is the best trash TV and I'm here for all of it. Something to that effect, right? That yes. you love all of it. When you say that one is very clearly better than another, or this is whatever, like, in six months, will you remember any... Like, I'm just wondering, like, when you say one is better than another, does it all melt away or do things actually, like, oh, man, that was actually really good? No, no, no. It's the most enjoyment best production and like least repetitive it's not good it's just like they they're the best at making trash tv for what i want from it like it's totally subjective right like what's your what's your ideal trash tv show people causing a lot of drama mild fighting nothing physical people that i can laugh at that i don't really feel bad for okay like those kind of things sure okay there's sometimes it like you know you don't want to feel bad no 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 and i definitely don't want to be like this is exploiting these people the smothered and i love a mama's boy whatever these are shows that like these people are choosing to be on these shows right like they're not like hard up and like like it's like the complete opposite of like you know you watch some cops episodes and you're like dude this person like i feel bad for that person right this is like these people are spoiled and they just like don't know how to interact with other humans so that's what happens and those are like my favorite types of reality show and they're also not like the kardashians where they're like super vain and into themselves like they are but like they're also not famous so it doesn't matter understandable anything else you've been 
up to in the last couple of days? Making some bread today. Made some pizza dough. Getting back on. You doing like, San Francisco sourdough or something different? Italian sourdough. Oh, for, okay. For bread and pizza dough. So I got the bread proofing. I'll bake that after we're done recording today. The pizza dough is proofing, but that'll take like two days. So hungering, like it's getting colder, and like we said, the weather's shitty. So like I'm getting ready to start baking a lot more again. So we are now, as the weather gets colder, we are now in uh, crunch time for me and my movie list. There are still. I got a hold. On. I want to. I want to figure out the exact count because it's crazy. I have now officially seen as many new releases this year. Like I was, I was saying I was getting close, but I've now seen as many new releases this year as I did all of last year. And I still have almost a full month to go. And I have a lot more that I'm going to see. There are still 61 movies, probably more than that, that I can watch that like I can legally get to get my hands on this year yeah. that I want to see. I'm not going to see 61 movies in these next 25, 26 days, whatever, probably 30 or 40 or something. But you'll hit a just... lot because you're going to have some downtime with like Christmas coming up and stuff. What's also going to be different is that, you know, normally, and I think I probably talked about this in the past on the show, but we've gone to Vegas the last like eight years for CES and oh, CES yeah. is all digital. And so I'm not traveling and there's, it's a different kind of prep this year. So instead of having a hellish December where like movies are my refuge, like just, I cannot do any more work. I need to get my mind off of it. I'll watch a movie. Like it's more a laid back, like more of a normal work month, which is going to be very good, but it's uh, awesome. Still a bunch more. But this week I saw a handful of great movies that I will recommend not go too much in detail. I was saying before, a couple of weeks ago, there is the new five movie Steve McQueen series small acts on prime i watched one of those lovers rock which is great okay i watched a movie on prime called sound of metal which is where riz ahmed did you ever see the night of yeah 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 i watched the night of so the the, the guy from the night of the main guy from the night of mm. riz ahmed who is also jake gyllenhaal's assistant in nightcrawler uh, he plays in this movie a drummer in a metal band that like in the first 10 minutes starts to lose his hearing you know that's not good for a musician no and uh, has to come to you know figure out where to go from there uh that's really great i don't know if you know this but there's a new fincher movie out today on netflix no what is it uh, it's called mank m-a-n-k and it's oh. about the guy who wrote citizen kane okay i I saw somebody tweet like a screenshot of it that was really interesting or something yesterday. And it said like Mank on Netflix, but I didn't know what it was. So Fincher had done Mindhunter on Netflix, which is a two series, two season thing, which is awesome, which is no longer going to happen. Maybe it'll come back, but it's a lot of work and wasn't a huge audience and whatever, but sad. Netflix has different things. Shot in Pittsburgh. Shot in Pittsburgh. This is his new movie. And I, I've been really looking forward to with my friend Bob and we've been up and down because like it kind of like what he has done, like he could do such more interesting things. I feel like than writing a movie, about the guy who wrote Citizen. Like, what? It's just like a yes, weird kind of topic, but like. I, yep, I get it. We've been going up and down about whether we're excited for it or not. I, I don't know, but like, it's a new Fincher movie. Like, that's like kind of yeah, an event, cool. right? Like, it's yeah, a big yeah. deal. Um, so I'm going to watch that tonight. I'll talk about that next episode. There's also a couple of movies out on VOD this weekend that I think are both like in my kind of genre wheelhouse of weird horror, whatever, is freaky which is a body swap Freaky Friday where I think a girl swaps bodies maybe with Vince Vaughn? I feel like I've seen I've seen like previews for this but like months and months ago. So it was in the, it was one of those ones that went to theaters so they're like hey we're bringing it to theaters or whatever and then like it's on VOD now but okay, it's apparently okay. great. And there's a new movie called Black Bear which I don't know what it's about but it's got your girl uh, Aubrey Plaza who actually just joined a uh, Jason Statham movie but Ooh. this is another kind of uh, 
thriller-ish movie with Aubrey Plaza, so I'm going to watch those this I weekend, too. I have a huge but... crush on Aubrey Plaza, man. No, you know that. No, I know, I know. You know, we've talked about it on here, even. Like, in a year where nobody's really making things, how are there still movies? It's like, well, a lot of these were done, but, like, there's still a lot of great stuff out there, so if well, you we want good the... movies... Yeah, and we there. know the, like, production schedules. Like, F9 is done. Like, it's been done because it was supposed to come out in fucking April. So yep. mm-hmm. movies aren't made the week before that they come out, right? right? Like, yeah. So there's a lot of movies that are done that are just like, and they and they get slotted and pushed back. So it makes sense that there is still movies coming out. Also, I don't know if you watch the first season. I don't know if anybody out there is watching, but the new season of The Mandalorian is great, and the two most recent episodes are maybe the two best episodes in the I've season. Heard they have to jump. It's so from goddamn everyone. Good. I've heard this from everyone that they love it and that they're super stoked on the new season. Um, I haven't watched the first season. I would like to try to convince Rachel to watch it i think that she would be game for it i think what did she she watched like through episode one so she has to watch like you, you know she's a she's a very much a completist when it comes to stuff like this so there is a pot i know that you guys are not really big podcast listeners but there's a podcast called newcomers which is with lauren lapkus who i love who's in comedy bang bang world and nicole Byer, who is the host of nailed it and they do a show called newcomers where the two of them watch like these big franchises that they've never yes. seen before so they yeah, did star wars and now they're doing lord of the rings and maybe yep. they're on something else but like if you wanted to kind of follow along like if there's a lot that rachel has not seen you know they're both obviously wonderful people that are both very very funny effectively kind of sort of doing what she would be doing too so yes again i know you guys are not huge on the the podcast no we like uh, nailed it and i I like i like that um the host of nailed it she's really cool so i think that's it been reading books i've not really been playing games just getting through this we were talking before we started recording, like, gloomy weather, but not terrible. Like, it could be worse, but it also could be a lot nicer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, for, for the beginning of December in the Northeast, it's not awful. But, like, yeah. everything is blowing outside my house right now, and it's raining sideways. So, like, I'm not leaving. You look at the thermometer, you're like, oh, it's like 44. Okay, that's not, that's not terrible. You go outside, and, like, the wind is blowing in your, like... Yes. through you you're like oh i can't like, yeah and again i know that justin's up in minneapolis and we have you know ben in alaska and whoever yeah. but like i know that their cold is different than our cold but it's it's the kind of it's the time of the year where it's like wind will fuck you up in a way that like the thermometer does not gauge and so <laughs> yeah i'm still trying to walk three or four miles a day and like sometimes it's better like you know when, when it's like 45 and just like no wind it's like oh this is actually pretty pleasant and then there's somewhere it's like 40 or like 37 and slightly rainy and windy as fuck i'm like oh god just like uh, i just gotta finish it just gotta do it just gotta do it gotta get through it but anyway speaking of those people before we have a patreon page here in the show too fast to forever.com shout out to you cassie wilson jake freer ben milliman nick burris alex ellen and justin kleinman brian rodriguez of Ooh. high school slumber party Haley gerbys west hampton christian larson jerry robinson dan the duke hayden Renato Donato, Jessica Collins, a.k.a. Montez. Shout out to all of you. Thank you all for supporting us the $5 level or above. It doesn't really fit anywhere else, but I was uh, very happy to see both Jerry sent us a thing on Instagram and Justin posted on our wall because Spotify is doing their year-end wrap. I things. know, and Haley sent us one too. She sent us one in messages too. The amount of time. So like, okay. God, I know. So Justin and Jerry have both listened to this show for more than 10 days. The amount of minutes in the year... <laughs> So, okay, so that thing, think about that. So that means that we have spoken, you and I have spoken yeah. for more than 10 days, but realistically, it's like it's probably 13, 14, 15 days. Yeah, because you edited it down. edited it down. And yeah. that also means that I've spent another 25 days or so. And this is like actual, like not just like, you know, nine to five hour, actually like 24 hour periods. Yeah. Yeah. I spent another 20 to 25 to 30 days editing, plus all the time that we spent watching. So, like, a good chunk of this year, like, maybe, like, 15% of the year, 10 to 15 to 20% of the year is just this. this. 
just so, this boy lot. i mean it's gotten us through the year but that's a, like just seeing the actual i'm like i'm like is that is that i'm like oh well we've put out i think 80 80 episodes or something this year and if you figure yeah. an hour and a half each on average like that's that's that like that the number is there the math adds up it does it's a ton it's a whole ton i guess that's why our extracurriculars are a little low sometimes even it's in... the it's the one time where i wish that i listened to podcasts on spotify like i don't for different reasons but like i love the music because i listen to all music on spotify and so the artists that i listen to like all phoebe bridges this year that's all accurate because like that's where i listen to things but like seeing other people like the podcast they listen to which it's cool to like I know. you know it's to see it all in one place and be like i wonder like i don't know what my number one would be maybe like uh comedy bang bang me i don't know i don't know what my number one podcast would be because i oh it would be never not funny but i it's cool to see the thing so anyway thank you all for listening and for supporting the show and writing in and all that sort of stuff i still don't believe it i think you guys photoshopped all these numbers because you're crazy for listening that much also if you want to get yourself a a token of swag i don't think the store is on sale now but i think as this comes out it'll be the next three days but our too fast too forever shop which is at t public link on our twitter bio you can go get some t-shirts my things shipped they will be here soon oh, yeah. so I'm looking forward to getting them soon if you receive them send yet. us some pictures tell us what you think about the shop family at cageclub.me and speaking of emails Joe we have five emails today including finally we are able to open Justin's email which we'll, I think we'll save for last I don't know what it is yet still okay but okay. I feel like we've waited when what if you hype it and he's just like congrats on 150 and then that's it he sent this 24 days ago so we'll see I mean <laughs> we'll, we'll find out <laughs> okay first up from Jerry Robinson I think this is a follow-up to his other one from the other night scary moment okay because remember in the last episode he was talking about how I think Ileana's cousin tested positive for yes, COVID, so he was getting yes. tested and he was waiting. Hey guys, on Friday I got a call from Ileana while at work. She never calls unless it's something serious, and I text Ugh. her where I'm going to be just in case. And she says one of her cousins in Tennessee tested positive for the global bastard, which we knew. I think that was the catching up first time. Instantly getting worried, I scheduled my test this past Sunday. Now her cousin didn't show symptoms, but earlier that Sunday she told me her uncle tested positive and was showing mild symptoms. Got my results back about an hour ago, and I'm negative. Woohoo! Good job. Oof, good. I was home since Saturday until my test results. Now, Ileana and Adrian's tests are tomorrow. She told me that instead of staying in, Adrian still went to work, being at risk to everyone. Ugh. The tests are negative like mine. Well, that's not great. That's Yeah, that's not the right way to do that, but hopefully nobody else gets sick. But I'm glad that you are negative. I'm very glad that you're negative, brother. And I don't know. I think he wrote in again, but I don't think he have got any updates, but I feel like he would have... Uh, he would have said something, I think, if there was more of an update there. So hopefully all good news on that front. But yeah, yeah terrible, terrible time. Our next email from recent patron, Renato DiDonato. Subject line, Fast and Furious Crossroads, parentheses, slight spoilers. Okay. Hey guys, just got around to finally playing Crossroads. After hearing you'll be covering it this round, I thought it was pretty neat to get an FNF storyline in a game. Yes. I really like a lot of Easter eggs and callouts to the other films. Thought Cam and Vienna were pretty good additions. New Orleans and Morocco were cool settings, and it made me think about how the Fastiverse more in video games, which is a great medium to expand such ideas. Agreed. Uh, absolutely agreed. I did have a lot of issues with gameplay and graphics, some of the voice acting and aspects of the mission design, but it got me thinking about a new game nonetheless. Okay. Thinking about what they could do with the next game if there were ever one, I had an idea that would be inspired by some need for speed games. Have it start in Miami. It's more of an open world map where you have to complete a set of races to gain rep and be able to customize your own cars. I like it. Okay, keep You then going. take on certain bosses with story ramifications, such as Suki's crew and Tej's crew. Ooh, Maybe okay. getting a bit more of background on him where he used to race himself. 
itself. It's also where you link up with Cam in Vienna to help set up the race that eventually forced them out of the country. So this is kind of like a prequel. I like this. Okay, this is cool. This is cool. And and it, it includes Cam in Vienna too, which is cool. Yep. You get to see what happens in the race and that you're forced to bail out of it and start over again in LA in reverse to what Brian did to get to Miami. Okay. Miami okay. to LA. I like that. In LA, you have to build up a rep again to enter Race Wars where you take on Dom and end up joining his crew and complete certain jobs alongside Dom and Lenny, like hijacking trucks from merch or car parts. Oh. You can also okay. set up missions with Jesse and Vince, for example, to get some of the mission structure variety from Crossroads. You have to get a lot of moments and maybe a barbecue in there with Dom, Mia, and Letty, seeing what their life is like before the first film. Even a mention of Cena's character. Ooh, Brother Jacob. Okay. Okay, okay. Story could build up to a job where Dom has a close call and you ultimately end up having to take the heat from the cops, which would close the link on your character not being mentioned in later titles, at least not as haphazardly, LOL. It works. The story would conclude where the Fast and Furious car meets starts. And then a green eclipse shows up. Ooh. Uh... The idea is full-on fan service, as you would see all the build-ups of the first film and linking Crossroads, but having more of a focus on the driving and becoming a part of the family before time as you knew them would be sick. Early 2000s nostalgia is kicking in pretty huge, and a car game focused on models from that era would be nuts, which is why Need for Speed Underground 2 be good inspiration with modern graphics and gameplay. And I think they build them on these engines anyways, right? So Yeah, they're not building things from scratch. Like there's, you know, I don't know if it's like open source or whatever, but yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Hearing about Vin Diesel setting up a TV series, the spin-off films and all that, I think another video game would be a great addition to expand the universe the same way Batman and Spider-Man games did alongside the films, Mm -hmm. TV, and comics. Agreed. So you guys will talk about it, but was wondering if you could look for what you would look for in another Fast and Furious video game. I think we I think we do talk about it. And we'll talk about it when we cover it with Nico and Kevo. It always surprises me a little bit. I think just because, like, when I think of him, I think of him as comics number one and, like, movies number two. But, like, how much of a gamer Nico is, I'm sure he will have thoughts on the... Because I don't think he's playing it. I think he's just going to watch the, the playthrough. But I'm sure he will have thoughts on how to, you know the history of games and video games and just and like his designer brain of like making comics and stuff like that like he will have ideas on story production and stuff yeah. too what i would like to see in future video games is i like the idea of a prequel what I was really actually do. really cool and i think it was before i don't remember the exact time it was before matrix reloaded it must have been between matrix reloaded and matrix revolutions there was a game on original xbox i'm assuming it was also on ps2 called enter the matrix and it was kind of filling in gaps between the two movies this is it yes and there was the jada pinkett smith character i think her name was niobe and there is ghost the game's about them and so like they're characters you know from the movies but like you more see more story of them it's it's story you don't need to know to appreciate the movies but story that like builds in and factors in kind of like this like the first Crossroads did with the games. It's like, we don't need to know about Cam and Vienna, but like, we kind of get a sense of like, especially with whatever is going to happen nine, maybe where Dom and Letty were in those months or whatever, right? Yep. So I think like, I love the idea of like, kind of a build your own, create your own character who like, joins Dom's crew and takes the fall for him. And like, is that's why he's not in the movies or whatever. But I also kind of like the idea of having like, kind of characters, even like small, like I think Roman and Tej are too big to play as, but you know, like in the, like a Vince story or like maybe more modern, like, like almost like a Rico and Tego game. Like they're too small. I don't know, but like a, it should be Ramsey, but you can't have it be like a hacker game. That should be the character you play as. Yeah. Like a a character who like kind of comes in to help every once in a while behind the scenes almost adds to the great story it's a character we already know no 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 like i'm I, i'd be okay with anything 
I like the Renato idea that I I think that he hits the nail on the head. This is a great place to have a prequel because we do want to know the prequel story, but it wouldn't really fit in in the movies because what are we going to do, like underage everyone to make them look like that and we don't have Brian anymore and how do you confront that? This would be a great place to put something like that in. So I agree with the idea that even more so than like we added new characters that we kind of go back and we can add a new character, but it fills in a story beforehand, which would be interesting. Yeah, I like that. I think that's a good blend. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think I feel like the the TLDR of a lot of what we say with like, what do we want in a new movie? What do we want in a new game? It's like, as long as you give us like more character-based stuff and like you don't make it shitty, like I'm okay with anything. Right? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, exactly. Give us more story, make it fun, make it on brand, and we're cool with it. Yep. Thank you, Renato, for writing in. It was good to hear if you might like those ideas. I, I love the uh, kind of like a half knee for speed, almost like a GTA kind of like building up your rep. And like, I wonder if yeah. you listened to the um, Andy episode yet. I don't know. I think he caught up, maybe didn't. That was a long time ago. I mean, it was not a long time ago, but it was a long time. It was probably like 50. When was that episode? Oh, no, 119. Okay. Okay. Yeah, not awful. So I think you better get there. Yeah, but I don't know. All right, our next email from Alex Ellen in subject line, you said it could be about anything. Because we were saying, you know, email on about anything, whatever. About anything, seriously, yeah. I had a thought the other day and didn't think it'd be relevant to FNF, but then someone had an email, which I think is Wells, that touched on it a little here, so here you go. Okay. In Mission Impossible, it says, your mission, should you choose to accept it? What if he doesn't accept it? Doesn't sound like he's replying with a no, it just fucking self-destructs. <laughs> he mails some ashes back in an envelope, so some villain just gets to take over the world or whatever because he didn't accept it. Movie runtime, six minutes. <laughs> exactly. I love this. I wish that we had more, like, skill sets that you could make, like, f- four-minute YouTube videos that would be like, this is your mission if you choose to accept it. And he'd be like, nah, I'm good. And then it's just yeah. like, okay, cool. <laughs> That's it. End of the movie. Like, I wonder in that, and I don't know, if you have, I, I, I like this idea. Uh, so email in, but, like, I wonder what would be, like, the longest movie like what movie would still like would nothing i don't know how to i don't know how to phrase this but like what movie would the fewest things change if the protagonist chose not to engage and then like what would be the shortest movie so essentially like there's probably some movies out there that like you know it's kind of like a passive protagonist who like him not getting involved or her the not matrix getting involved or whatever short. you said you said like the matrix because like the matrix would have to be like follow oh, the yeah, white he takes rabbit. A blue pill and just like it's like he just goes back to work i was thinking follow the white rabbit and just he's like nah i'm good oh that too yeah beginning of the movie like you should follow the way like nah <laughs> just oh yeah he, yeah he doesn't even get to meet trinity or morpheus because he just never goes to the club yeah he just like tur- he just shuts his laptop off and goes to sleep or even shorter like he just has an internet outage and just like oh sorry like i can't i did the, the, the router's not rebooting sorry i just can't get online <laughs> it's just him just rebooting his router and he's like ah good geo cities perfect <laughs> very cool geocities.com slash user slash there is no spoon dot htm yeah Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Our next email from Jerry Robinson again, subject line Tokyo Drift. He says, this would be kind of quick, but I'm watching Tokyo Drift and I'm kind of high. And watching Sean do that complex drift was dope, but the shit was when the true Drift King, Keishi Toshiya, says not bad. That's a straight up acknowledgement. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, When he's sitting on the docks there. I agree. All right, our last email. Okay, here we go. Finally, I, this, Justin, you better not let us down because I don't know what this is. <laughs> Subject line, do not read until episode 150. Hey guys, congrats on making it to 150, creating a Too Fast, Too Forever family. This video says it all for me. So, okay, hold on. Here's a video. Okay, okay. Ooh, 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 ooh. What is it? It's three minutes long. I don't know how we're going to do this, but I see what it is, and I'm very excited. What is happening, Joey and Joe 2? What is going on, boys? It's Chad Lindbergh, a.k.a. Jesse. No. 
from the original Fast and the Furious. What is going on, guys? <laughs> no. Uh, the word on the street is that your podcast, the Too Fast Whoever podcast, is up for people to view uh, <laughs> 150 episodes. Guys! Congratulations, all right. Congratulations. Holy shit. Uh, this 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 message, this cameo, this video of love oh, was booked God. by your friend Justin. Justin was like, "Hey, can we do something special right now?" Uh, because oh this God. needs to happen. They've they've shot 150 <laughs> episodes. Uh, while you guys oh watch all of the Fast and the Furious movies, <sighs> I have so many questions. Which one is your favorite? It all goes back to number one. Always, always. It was about the <laughs> racing. Uh, and now we're leaping over submarines. But hey, it keeps the number one in play. You know what I'm saying? Uh, listen, guys, I want to say thank oh you so God. much for being a part of the Fast family. It is super, super cool. I love hearing that you guys are doing this podcast. I had not known about it until this moment in time. till Justin uh, pointed this out. So I'm going to go and take a look uh when i'm done shooting this cameo and see what you guys are doing um i think it's super fun and uh cool we need <laughs> we need stuff oh like this we need oh podcasts God. like this uh we want to talk about the movies and listen you know we got nine coming out we got ten the spin-offs this is gonna keep going forever okay you guys are gonna be able oh to talk God. about it to your grandkids I want your to, grandkids I want to are gonna be watching number 37 <laughs> fast in the field 37 it could happen you never know and then at that point well, maybe soon, within the next maybe 15 years or so I can maybe play Jesse's father so it's out there in the universe. We never know. Maybe they're going to go into space. Oh, my you God. Never know. Oh, my God. Joey, Joe, too. I want to thank you guys for doing what you're doing. Uh, I'm going to go check out your podcast. Everybody here oh needs to do the same. And uh, hopefully one of these days we can link up, okay? Uh, yeah, stay safe. Most importantly, right now, let's get past all this craziness, okay? That's why podcasts are so great, because people can stay home safely and uh, listen. Listen to what makes them happy. Let's talk about the nostalgia. Let's talk about the cars. Let's talk about what makes these movies so wonderful. So, Justin, I want to say thank you for hooking me up here with Joey and Joe, too. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to go check out your podcast. I want everybody to do the same. <laughs> Congratulations, all right? 150. Let's do 150 more! All right, guys. All in good fun. I love you. Keep it rolling, okay? All right, boys. Talk to you soon. Cheers. <sighs> oh, my God. Okay. Holy shit. I love that he did it from his car, too. Like, that's the coolest. That's just the best. It's the, it's the actual, absolute greatest. Oh, dude. It's so awesome. Yeah. Wow. That was worth saving. That was worth, uh, that that was was worth uh, waiting for. We didn't overhype that at all. Holy shit. Wow, that was awesome, Justin. You guys have been great all fucking week, by the way. Just like, thank you so much. But that was so fucking cool. Oh yeah. Also, I want to do. I do. Want, I know. I don't. I don't want to undercut Justin, but I want to compliment Justin with the e. The compliment with an e. Add to. Add on to. Yes. Because Wes sent us uh, some hand stitch cross stitch. Uh, oh my god! It's the I end know. of Furious Seven 
Dom and Brian's Chargers, and it's the We're quote, post pictures you know, of it. It's amazing. This is great. Uh, yeah, thank you guys. This is you just, guys are you know, awesome, man. The yeah. coolest, the absolute coolest. I mean, now it's just you know, Chad Lind- like we we're in with Chad. He knows about <laughs> us. It's just like, hey, hey, bud, like come on our show. Of course, the first movie's the best. You're the one, someone with you. Exactly. There is now a world where Jesse knows who we are. Perfect. Just absolutely perfect. So thank you, Justin. That's amazing. I wouldn't even you know, like I know the cameo is a thing, but I don't think about it as like a a place to, like like look for these people. So like that's it's awesome you had that idea that you know it's awesome whatever you pay i don't even want to look because i mean jesse could be like five dollars or five hundred like i don't know what he charges (laughs) but like whatever you paid you got more than your money's worth because that was amazing that was super cool it was it was so cool and it was like a long ass video too yeah have I told on here that we got Jose Canseco for our fantasy baseball draft last year? Yes, yes, you did. We did. Which we was also great, but like he's like stumbling over words and like because you have, you only have like two hundred characters or something. Like you have to explain like what you want to say. We're like how many jokes? Like how many ways can we explain how to make fun of people in our league? in like no almost like you know three sentences right like yes, yeah, yeah, no yeah. space and so i don't know what justin said to chad but like to, to i'll just call him jesse but like you know <laughs> perfect it was all absolutely perfect so thank you justin thank you chad Lindbergh. like just the coolest the absolute coolest the, the coolest shit ever man wow you made my morning holy shit that was awesome i'm gonna super, go super flex cool. on all my friends now and show them this video and give you credit for it but i'm definitely gonna be like look at, look at this shit right here i love that you sent it in way in advance that it just you know burning a hole in our pocket basically like i didn't click on it i didn't know no, it was. you didn't you know i saw all i saw was ch- the the cameo little like icon or whatever in the corner i saw like what looked like jesse from the thing like when i sent it to you like so i had like a two and a half second like head start on you but yeah man just awesome just absolutely the coolest so cool thank you again brother wow i can't stop giggling that was great I appreciate anyway it. if you want to email in or send us more cameos family <laughs> at cageclub.me the the best thank you all so very much yeah and yeah shit. here's to another 150 more and then you know fast and furious 37 you heard it here our grandkids gonna be talking about fast and furious 37 in space yeah joe on the streets news about the fast and furious there's big news in the world of movies but is there any fast and furious specific news that you've seen no not fast and furious specific news that i think is newsworthy the other news which i posted on our facebook and our twitter after you sent it to me, was Warner Brothers announced that their entire 2021 slate will go not only to theaters, but also to HBO Max on day of release for 31 days. That means The Matrix 4. That means Dune. That means every major movie that Warner Brothers is putting out next year is going to be available to watch for free as long as you have an HBO Max subscription for the first month that it's out, which is enormous like that is the coolest thing in the world insane there's apparently a 15 billion dollar bailout to movie theaters that there that is being talked about right now in congress who knows if that's going to happen or not my big call to action is universal get in line put it on peacock put f9 on peacock do it do it that's what we want well i like i feel like it's going to hit vod quick but like we want it as soon as possible come on man like just give it to us give it to us please 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 yeah warner has hbo max Disney has Disney Plus, obviously, Marvel, Disney, Fox, all that, right? There is Universal, which has Peacock. I don't know what Sony would do. Crackle, I guess, but Crackle, like, nobody gives a shit about Crackle. We said, would you say Hulu? Who has Hulu? Disney has Hulu. Ah, that's right, that's right. There's also rumors that Disney Plus and Hulu could merge. I don't think it's going to happen, but there's talk about that they could merge. Yeah, because, it, okay, if Disney owns both, then yeah, why not, right? It does feel like a little bit of separation of church and state, like one is for kids and one is for adults and stuff, but... I, th- I know a lot of adults that would argue that. Content yes. design specifically. Yeah. Like, aside from The Mandalorian, the upcoming Marvel MCU series, like, it's kind of like this is you know disney and pixar stuff one series quote unquote for adults 
and then everything else like you know the kate mara a teacher series where she's like fucking one of her high school students is never going to be on disney plus no. but, like <laughs> in this future like they could be i don't know you know so there should be like two like it should be like the netflix login pages but then like one like if you have like a kid's account it just takes you straight to disney plus and hulu is like like the other one like an adult's one goes to hulu with yeah. disney plus content yeah there's not that many major studios that like would have to figure out a place like they all kind of have their own vertical now so like yeah yeah hbo max suddenly a must own because everything you know huge movies huge movies it has it's it's slated to get some big shit so yep. that's what that's why it's so cool that's the only news really that's fit to print i think so joe the last thing to do before we take a break and talk about paris texas is the fast and furious minute the deleted scene called trading driving stories which is super appropriate for today with the, now with jesse sending us the cameo he was not shirtless in that video though but here he we was go. not shirtless trading, in this video no trading driving stories I was like five years old while I'm sitting on my father's lap. And it's got me propped up and both my hands are on the steering wheel. And it kept going faster and faster. I remember hearing him laughing. The faster we went, the happier he was. How old were you again? Five. My mom taught me how to drive. Your mom? Yeah, man. I was right before she left, though. You know, hate it for that, but I can't hate it completely, you know? First time I drove was with my learner's permit. And we were on the 40 freeway as my mother and I. Car in front of me locks up its brakes. And then, boom, someone blew into me from behind. Five car pilot. First time I drove. Before my dad went away, bought me this uh, 71 Malibu Classic. First day I got my license. It's the greatest day. It's also the first day that I had sex. <laughs> I shit you not. Something about learning how to drive. Well, it's it, it, you, you're you're a driver, or you're not a driver. So up until the point you start driving is one lifetime, and then after you start driving is another lifetime. So in this minute twenty, Dom, Bryant, Jesse, and Leon sit on a car shirtless and swap stories about the first time they drove. You know, we talked about these in great detail earlier this lap, but I wonder if I'm, I would assume that at least for you know a, a, some of our, if not a good portion of our listeners, this is the first time they're ever hearing this. Like it kind of feels like uh, this could be breaking new ground for people who like did not go watch these scenes, even though we're like, yes, hey, you should watch these scenes, but. There's crazy stuff in this. And this is what we wanted to, we, we talked about it when we did the deleted scenes, but like this is one of my favorites because it's more background character yep. stuff. So although we don't get like a lot of like new viewing things, right? Because it's really only one scene. They kind of steal all of the car parts on the table scene from minute 40. We do get like a whole new set of character development. Is the car they're sitting on? Is that the car that Brian dropped off? Or is this another car altogether? It looks like they started stripping down the super that Brian brought in okay. for them. And that's the car that they're on. Yes, that's okay. what it looks like in the movie. Just because this is like a little bit more blurry in the movie, it looks way more like primered, and this kind of looks white. But I think it's just the lighting and the low resolution of the scene. I think it's also like a light gray. You know what I gotcha. mean? Like yep. primer. Okay. The big notable thing which we talked about, I think, a lot earlier this lap is where Vin- where's Vince? Either maybe just not being with Brian or maybe with his sick mom, right? Yeah, with his sick mom, which we might, we'll talk about later. Quickly, the backstory. Rob Cohen said that this scene was cut. Like, he seems like... I wrote down, like, why he cut all these scenes, like, and some, he's just like, we didn't need this scene. Like, the last one we talked about with Jesse, like, he's just like, yeah, we just didn't, like, we we get it in the next scene, right? But this one, it seems like 
he loved, he wished he could kept in, he wished he could keep it in the movie. Stop, he says it stopped the movie cold. Like, this is a long scene. This is like 80 seconds. And even if you take out the scenes, the issue is that, like, all the car parts that you made a note of, for, like, for minute 40, it's over dialogue. So even if those aren't there, we're still, like, looking at Dana, we're still looking oh, at Paul you're Walker right. or whatever, right? So, like, it's not you're like you right. can make it shorter. It's just, you know, it's long. I didn't connect that in my brain. I thought that this is, like, a minute and 20 scene, but it's really, like, a minute because all the car parts. But you're right. The dialogue runs over it, so it doesn't really matter or change it. I don't think this is the, ever the kind of scene that you could put in a movie like this. Like, I just, I don't know how, if you had, like, a, if this was in like a novel form you could have like little snippets of these kind of between chapters right like you'd be like jesse's story and it's like you know it's like 15 seconds but like it's just a couple lines or whatever right like oh like here's but like in a movie conscious about the pacing and the flow and everything like i don't know how you do this but man i wish it was in there because it's great i agree i i don't know where you'd put it Uh, like because it has to be at this point right because like you establish things with the shot like where the car is and like what's going on so like you know where it is in the movie and if you drop it in instead of having the montage of them like cranking through the car making it cool it would feel so fucking weird yeah the only little bit of uh, background that your kind of thing that i did here was brian talks about how he the first time he drove which you just heard he was on the 43 with his mom and i was like where is the 40 because i'm like uh, is he because he's being brian spilner Right. Like he's trying to like he's he's a cover. Right. So I'm like, yeah, he's using his alias. So I know that the 40 is in L.A. or like, you know, around L.A. But I'm like, I wonder if he's like, I wonder if he's like lying about being in L.A. or Mr. Arizona or whatever. But the 40 goes from L.A. all the way to North Carolina. Like it goes coast to coast. Like it's an entire <laughs> U.S. spanning. So like he could be anywhere. Like he'd be like, yeah, it's on the 40 freeway. It's like, oh, OK, yeah, but like in Tennessee or what? You know, it's like, I yeah, don't know. it doesn't matter. Yeah. Is there anything in here that you saw was new? There's something interesting that you marked in the in the document that I wanted to talk about, too. And it's what the fuck is Brian eating? Oh, right. Yeah, in yeah, yeah. This scene. Because it looks like it, at first glance, I thought it was like a hamburger, right? It's sandwich E in general. And then the way he's holding it, I'm like, because he's only holding it with like one hand because he has a crone in the other hand. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, it could be like a taco, but he takes a bite out of the top of it. Or, like, the front of it. Yeah, a way that people should not eat tacos. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, gringo or not, like, you're not going to eat a taco, like, from the middle down. So, I don't think it's a taco. At the end, because it's blurry, it's hard to see. I came to the conclusion that maybe it's, like, some kind of, like, Cuban sandwich or, like, a panini or something. It looks like there's stringy cheese. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it takes a bite, and it's, like, one of those kind of things where, like, Almost like the way the caramel kind of like strings, like you take a bite out of like a Twix or whatever, right? And like it kind of goes yes, from your mouth yes. down. The, like it looks like that kind of stringy. Yeah, exactly. I don't I don't know, man, but it kind of grilled cheese, but not like it looks too plump to be grilled cheese, even though like you could have like a, you know, you could put whatever in a grilled cheese, but like, I don't know what it is. And again, the resolution's too small to actually know, but like, he also looks like he pulls something like, you know, like he's eating like a chicken sandwich or something. There's like a piece of like grizzle or something that he pulls it and like throws on the ground. So I don't know if that was more of his arm motion of like, exaggerating the story with hand gestures uh okay maybe maybe or maybe. him throwing something so like i watched it once and i was like i, I think that joey's wrong and then i watched it again and i was like it kind of looks like he does throw something so i'm in between i can't really figure it out it could be either one of those but yeah like maybe there's like a pickle on it he didn't want the pickle he throws the pickle but i mean if it is a pickle that's the uh you know the hallmark of a cuban sandwich which again 
beautiful Cuban sandwich, a Cubano. Yeah, maybe. Great Cuban place in my town, and uh, still one of the best Cuban sandwiches I've had was in New Haven with you, right? That, yeah. That place that yeah, Rachel yeah. refuses to eat? No, no, no. She would eat there all the time. Oh, she didn't like the Mediterranean place. Yes, yes, yes. She doesn't like Another the good meal. Yeah. yeah. I don't think Dom is holding a Corona, but the other three guys are all having... I'm sure he has a Corona around, but the other three are like clearly at one point or another holding a Corona. That was... Oh, there's a carjack in front of... In front of... um in front of Leon, just like sitting, like a really high uh, handled car jack that they're not using, like, because the car's not jacked up, but they just have like a jack just sitting right next to the car. Do you like, think they were just like, oh, I'll put, put some car stuff around? I, th- that's what it really felt like. <laughs> and it's like right in the foreground in front of Leon. It's interesting. And when like, when you see Leon in the shot, there's like the handle right next to his face, which is right. like very bad composition. Because like Leon's leaning against the car, Jesse's fully on top, and Brian and Dom are both on the hood, kind of like leaning against the windshield sort of yes yeah brian more so than dom but they're both kind of in the same ish pose yeah like they're sharing a bed together yes yes very true anything else this is the longest we've ever covered in one of these is a minute 20 uh the next i don't remember the next one is if it's hector and brian at racer's edge like that's coming up soon but i'm thinking a couple scenes we have brian i think next one is racer's edge because then we have brian and mia at the beach which is like two and a half minutes which we're just doing one episode so buckle up for that because that's gonna be a lot maybe a lot or maybe not a lot to talk about i don't know but any thoughts about trading stories there's somehow a lot to talk about and also not a lot to talk about because i can't see anything in the fucking backgrounds of these right and i think a lot of what we learn from this is the stuff in the dialogue that you just heard and that we went into great detail on earlier this lap right about leon learning from his mom and brian kind of learning from his mom and jesse getting laid the day that he got his license and yeah exactly well let's take a break and let us talk about paris texas as we celebrate continue celebrating episode 150 of too fast to forever you guys are fucking awesome thank you episode number 150 paris texas this episode is brought to you by texas instruments the ti inspire cx cas handheld graphing calculator now with 100 megabytes of storage memory and 64 megabytes of operating memory Shout out to Texas Instruments. Ooh, 64 megabytes. Whew. Dude, have you seen this fucking... The new... What did you have in school? TI-84? Sounds about right. I was a little bit older. They had just come out with the TI-89. You're a little bit younger, you mean? A little bit younger. Sorry, yeah. And that thing was fucking badass, and it could, like, foil for you. It was, like... It was essentially cheating on the SATs. It was incredible. The new ones, obviously, are fucking color... Like, you can have, like, JPEGs and shit on this thing. Yeah, like, I, I don't, you know, a phone. I know, but I'm saying, like, you have to buy their bullshit for the SATs, right? And this is, like, SAT allowable. Why don't you just put, like, every picture you want? I'm sure. Sh- uh, I'm sure. <laughs> probably, probably. I don't know. But welcome back to the show, episode 150, talking about Paris, Texas from 1984. Joe, this is our third straight Criterion movie. It is. A couple, of, a couple of snobs. Yeah, I, I feel, I like, I watched this movie with my, le- with my left pinky out the entire time. Time. Sipping a cup of tea. A cuppa. Had you heard of this movie before? I'm assuming you had not seen this before, but you heard of this before or no? Haven't heard of it. I think I might have heard of Paris, Texas, but no, haven't heard of this movie. And you know what it reminded me of? Prada Marfa. What is that? There was like an art exhibit 
in Marfa, Texas, and okay. somebody put up like a fake Prada store on the side of the road. They put like all of this Chinese knockoff Prada into the store and designed it to look like a Prada store, but it's also like on the side of the road in one of these like Texas villages, right? Like there's huh, nothing okay. there. The art exhibit was that it was a fake Prada store in the middle of nowhere. And people thought that it was real Prada stuff, so they started stealing the stuff inside the store. But it was this like, cool thing. It was a really cool art exhibit. I I like these interesting ideas, weird ideas that I would have when I was not sober and then somebody does it and you're like that's a fucking cool art exhibit so that's what this reminded me of other than the one time that you visited me or like the weekend you were coming down i was like oh no i am like deathly sick and we, we like hung out yeah. like for two hours one night have you been to texas otherwise or no i was just there last year I, well i was just in dallas last year for a work conference have you been to like this isn't like this isn't what i mean but like have you been to like texas texas like have you been to like the cities but, like have you been to like no middle of nowhere no like, Paris, no, no, no not like dirt roads Okay. Gas stations, like the ones you see in movies. No, nothing like that. So when I drove cross country in 2012, my friend and I played a game. I left with my friend Lauren and we went down and we picked up a friend, Tom, in New Orleans. Um, but we played a game leaving New Jersey. Like, could this still be New Jersey? Because so much of the country looks exactly the same, which we did not yeah. realize. But like when you're driving on I-81 for like 800 miles all the way through Tennessee and like down through Pennsylvania, whatever, it's all evergreen tree. Like it's all, it yeah. all looks like it could be just any highway in New Jersey. We're like, yep. this is so boring. You get like an hour north of New Orleans and the road just like falls away and you're literally over the bayou. You're like, oh, this is new. This is cool. Okay. Yeah. And then you go a little bit west and it kind of becomes New Jersey again for a while. And then like you hit a point in Texas and it's like, oh, this is different. And like it's the whole like American Southwest, the gorgeous like landscapes and the scenery and everything. But there's yeah. also just like the dirt roads and things. Yep. And you're driving. You see like a little like a couple miles away or whatever. Like you see like a cyclone, like not like a tornado tornado, but like a, oh, there's just like a dust cyclone that's like blowing like fairly big cloud. and like you're just out in the middle of nowhere but when i was in without you know i i was driving with my friend tom on the strip and we were in the middle of nowhere west texas and i don't remember the name of the town but it was like where the rodeo was invented or something okay and we're like we want food and like there was like one restaurant in town or something essentially like there's a wall like the town was like one street with yep. like a Walmart yep. and like the this monument to rodeo and they had like a couple restaurants or whatever. And this one restaurant that was like the one that was open had 25 reviews on Yelp. They were all five stars. All their menu was was tamales. Green tamale, red tamale. Okay. We go in there and they're like, we don't have green tamale. It's only red tamales today. We're like, okay, we'll take 12 tamales. Yes. And it was like 12 six... tamales. That's That sounds like a ton of tamales, dude. So it's a ton of tamales. It's a ton uh, of tamales. It was like six bucks for 12 or something. A meal, and this was like a very big, like completely stuffed meal for one of us was two tamales. So we got six meals out of this and it was like the yeah. greatest food food that I've ever eaten. Oh, there's a reason that everybody loves this place because they have one thing on the menu and they nailed it. What, what were they filled with? Were they like beef? Were they like... This is eight years ago now. I don't remember. I want to say... Did you get prob- a mix of them? No, it was just like, there's just... It's just, just tamale, red just, tamale. Tamale. Just the, the, the <laughs> one was the red tamale, right? It's just, you know, okay. red, red peppers, red poblano peppers or whatever, whatever's in there in the corn wrapper or whatever, the tortilla. Yeah, it yeah. was just unbelievably good. Like dense as fuck. I know. Yeah, I was just laughing. There's like a tradition that's coming up that I didn't know about some of the Hispanic communities make tamales for Christmas. That's like a common tradition. Okay. So I want to adopt this tradition. And so Rachel was going to make tamales this Christmas. So I thought that's pretty cool. But that's not, but, but she made tamales like earlier in the year or before two of them is like plenty. 
two is enough tamales. So when you said you got twelve of them, I was like, oh yeah, no, it was like it was absurd because they were so, it was so inexpensive. We're like, oh, I guess we'll just do I don't know, like twelve because like we were also you know trying to save money and whatever. Yeah. Like, oh, this is probably probably a good deal. Who knows? We got each had two, and then like it was because it was like lunch and we had dinner that day, and then like breakfast the next morning. Essentially, was all tamales. So we're like, this is. <laughs> the best we've ever eaten but like that's what kind of parts of this reminded me of because like a lot of the road trip of this movie is through like middle of nowhere texas and like that's i just love very blue lane two lane blacktop to me i mean it is a road movie yeah i think it's a different slightly different but it's the same kind of like nowhere really to be even though they kind of have somewhere to be but like not not really have somewhere to be like it's all just sort of you know americana yeah so this is uh widely considered to be one of the greatest movies ever been made really Um, it's the 51st highest ranked movie on Letterboxd in Jesus terms of Christ. rating. Directed by Wim Wenders, who is a European director, he did another movie. Another movie that I know that he did was his movie Wings of Desire, which is notable only, to me at least, only because they remade that movie into City of Angels with Nicolas Cage. Okay. So this movie from 1987, which is about like angels doing their thing or something, becomes a movie in 2000, 2000 I think, 2000, 2001, 99? A little rusty in my cage I history. can't help, yeah. With Cage and Meg Ryan and City of Angels and just him sitting on things. It's whatever. Uh, But this guy did the original European version of that. Written by Sam Shepard, who is an American playwright and just kind of like a character actor. You would know him as Gosling's dad in The Notebook. Oh, cool. Okay. So he wrote this, or he wrote at least most of this because this went into production without having a finished script. But he's like, I have an idea how you can end it, whatever. It won the Palme d'Or at Cannes, which is like the best film. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Only was nominated for... One Golden Globe for Best Foreign Film did not win, and no Oscars. I kept wondering, when we turned it on, I was like, is this a foreign film? But then it said, like, you know, introducing, whatever, and stuff like that. But, like, for the first, like, the intro credits, Rachel and I couldn't tell if this was going to be in English or not. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a European director. It's got the European aesthetic, but it is about America and Americana and the Southwest, which is, again, like, you know, the best movie, and best is maybe the wrong word, but the best movie about slavery is made by a British man, right? Like, 12 Years yeah. a Slave was made by Steve McQueen, a British man. So yeah. sometimes you need a little bit of remove to tell a great story. So Harry Dean Stanton stars in this. He's acted, he passed away a couple of years ago, but he acted in 206 Things, wow, uh, best known for Alien and Repo Man, probably. But he's been in a whole shitload of things. And like most of the people in this movie would go on to work with David Lynch in at least one movie. And I know that even if you haven't seen all David Lynch's movies, you know of them at least. And like all these people kind of became part of his world. And I can't find anything about him loving this movie, but I'm sure he does because like he hired all these people to be in movies yes. in the next couple of years. Yeah, exactly. What I did find is that Kurt Cobain and Elliot Smith both said this is their favorite movie of all time. Really? Yep. David Robert Mitchell, who directed It Follows, said that he was inspired as a filmmaker by this movie. Uh, Wes Anderson said that Wender's home scene, this movie and Wim Wenders in general, inspired him, especially for the Royal Tenenbaums. The band U2 said this was an inspiration for their album The Joshua Tree. So this is a very influential movie in terms of like artsy and just, you know, creatives and you know all things right like in movies and tv and acting and music and yeah that's crazy did you love this movie i did <sighs> did you i mean it's I very long it. and it's very slow it's very long it's very slow it's beautiful i didn't love it like not that it's bad i could see why people would like it but it didn't like hit me i wouldn't recommend this to anyone to like watch immediately like how did we miss this it was a good movie but it was a movie. There's a scene in this movie 
Watch. Then I messaged my friend Bob, and I was like, holy shit, this scene. He's like, I know, right? And then there's, like, another version of that scene, where I was like, oh, wait, no, fuck, like, that, this is... So, like, the movie ends... So the movie is about... This guy, Harry Dean Stanton, plays this guy, Travis, who just... Yes. This has been on my list to watch for a while. I bought the Criterion Blu-ray. I looked it up in my email seven years ago. I had never opened it. I had wow. been meaning to watch it for forever, just never got to it. It came up on memory loss, and, like, the first line in the description is, like, a man walks through the desert not knowing who he is, which is, like... Kind of true, but also like metaphorical. Like it's not exactly. way more metaphorical. Yeah. Although I do feel like this lap, as it goes on, is less about the Letty memory loss and more about Han. Like I can see this a kind of like I was thinking about Han, like the way that he's going to be reincorporated into a family, whether or not he's going to be willing to answer questions, be like, "Hey, we just kind of feel like he's going to be on his own time, man." Like kind of like that sort of angle. Interesting. Okay. Okay. His brother and sister-in-law in Los Angeles have essentially adopted Travis's son, Harry Dean Sand's son, who yes. is this eight-year-old. Four years ago, the guy he left, he just walked out um, because we later find out that his wife or girlfriend or whatever left as well. And so, you know, he just didn't know, like they all kind of like didn't know who they were. They all go off and they yeah. find him. They get a call that says, you know, he's in Texas. Mexico. Or did he walk to Mexico and he got found in Texas? I think he gets found in Texas. He's walking all over the place. Like, he, okay. he tells a story, but he's somewhere in that area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The brother flies down there, runs a car. Eventually, they drive back, and it's just a matter of, like, him kind of reincorporating into the family and whether or not he's going to be a, a dad to the son, hearing from the sister-in-law that she knows that the mom sends their kid money every month, yes. different amounts every month, but they send from a bank in Houston. So the two of them, father, son, drive to Houston to find the mom. And that's the movie. And it's two and a half hours long. And eventually in the end, they find the mom. The reason I bring that all up now is having just the plot dump up top. The peep show scene, he goes to this, he find, he follows who he thinks, he doesn't know for sure, he follows who he thinks is the mom yes. uh, to this peep show house. And he goes in and he, after a false start, he finds her in one of those rooms where like, she sees a mirror, but he can see her. And I guess not like, it's like a live sex show, but like, you don't, it's not like a strip club where you touch whatever. It's just like behind. Peep show, yeah. I'm like, this scene is incredible because like he's just like she's just talking. He's like he doesn't know what to say or whatever. I'm like, this is so good. Then he goes back and just tells like a 10 minute monologue essentially, where we don't see him talking, and he's just describing. He's telling their story to her. Yes. And you're just on her face, and she's like beginning to sob as she realizes who that is. And I was like, this is like one of the greatest things I've ever seen in any movie ever. And I know that like if you're you know, it's two hours and 15 minutes into the movie by that point, and if you're like bored or whatever, it might not hit you. But like, God damn it. Like that was so good. And not at all Fast and Furious, but like so goddamn good. It was good. Yeah, but it's. It's a slow burn. This is way more of like a distraught romance. How you handle a relationship that has been broken is not really my usual watches, right? Like that's not something that's like really in my wheelhouse. The scene is excellent. And the way it plays out and the delivery and her reaction, you do feel an emotional draw there. Even for me who wasn't very into the movie, I do think that there's emotion there. Yeah, it didn't hit me as hard as, as apparently it hit you. I rarely cry from, like, sad stuff. I usually cry yes. from, like, happy stuff. And, like, this yeah. is... It's not in my crying wheelhouse, generally. But, like, you know, I just thought it was amazingly well-acted and shot and yes. beautifully written yes. and just the way it's delivered. And, like, give yep. this guy... An, like, Harry Dean Stanton acted in 200 things. 
never nominated for an Oscar. This movie got no Oscar nominations. Like, not that they did not win an Oscar, just never, like... How not? This feels oscar baity to me, for sure. oscar baity is a negative thing. Like, they're not, they're not doing this to, like... I'm not using it as a negative. It feels like a movie that would be nominated for Oscars, is what I mean, directly. Yeah, I mean, it's it won the best film at Cannes, right? Like, exactly. It, it was critically yeah. acclaimed that just didn't get make waves here. I don't know. Like, it didn't... I was reading the, like, reception and, like, you know, we talked about last episode with Seconds, like, a movie that flopped at the box office but then eventually became a cult classic like from the jump like roger ebert gave it four stars like people love this movie it just didn't i guess the oscars didn't you know what yeah what year was this 84 can can you look up or can we look up the other nominees for 84 like what was running in 84 like or was it just like a stacked year that this didn't get picked up or what like so let's see here the 57th academy awards which aired in 85 best picture was amadeus okay um, also nominated The Killing Fields, A Passage to India, Pieces in the Heart, and A Soldier's Story. So I've never doesn't seen any like, of those. Yeah, it doesn't no sound, Amadeus. Yeah, same. But like, it doesn't sound like anything that's like, you know, sometimes we hit some of these Oscar years and you're like, oh, yeah, like every one of these movies is like super classic. I'm just looking at what their like what their ratings are on Letterboxd and like how, oh, A Soldier's Story. Wait, I know this one. Why do I know this one? Three and a half out of five. Places in the Heart, 3.4 out of five. Okay. Passes to India, 3.5 out of 5. Killing Field, 3.8. Pretty good. Amadeus, 4.2. Like, Amadeus is, like, clearly, like, in film history, I haven't seen it, but, like, Amadeus is one of those ones that, like, is one of the great films or whatever. Yes, but yeah, yeah. The other ones just seem like, yeah, okay. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Like, sometimes you're like, oh, damn, like, what were you guys doing here? I don't know. Drop the ball. I don't yeah. know. And it's it's Palm d'Or, like, Khan comes out before... Yeah, like, this this debuts there, essentially, right? This debuts on the festival circuit, and then it comes to America, and then, like, you know, that fall, it's nominated for yes. awards, yeah. So it's not like anybody didn't see it. It's not like, you're like, oh, shit, we missed this one. No, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Same. But you were saying that there's not a lot of fast. I think thematically, there's a lot of things that connect us to the fast diverse. But before we get into the fast connections, what did you think overall? I know it's not really your cup of tea, but like moments that you loved, moments that you didn't like, themes overall, just in, initial impressions on this movie. Cinematography wise, it was fucking gorgeous. And like, it starts out with all these shots of him walking when he does like the first kind of like escape from his brother, like, and just starts walking again. Wearing like, a MAGA hat. Yeah, I, I have a note that just said red hats hit way differently now yep. than they do then, right? Like, not a MAGA hat, but just a, yeah, he's wearing a red hat in the movie, which you can't, you know, he wouldn't be wearing a red hat today, but yes, please go on. Yeah. Or maybe he would. I don't know. Different maybe, movie, though. <laughs> very different movie. He's like walking and just the way that they frame everything in this movie is very perfect, like very, very perfect for me. The aspects and just like how he's shooting it that like you get like telephone poles and you have like the nice diagonal as they go into the distance, you know, focal points and stuff like that. And just like the way things are intersecting, like every single shot that he picks has like a great angle of stuff, like how I want to see things. Like you get like a building like right at the corner and you see like the side profile and like the front back far enough that you get the top of it and the bottom of it. And I'm just like, this is very aesthetically pleasing to me. So this was shot very quickly. This was shot by a guy named Robbie Mueller, um, who did Repo Man, which I just mentioned before, that with uh, Harry Dean Stanton in it. He also did a movie called Dancer in the Dark, which is a Lars von Trier movie. But of note to us, he shot To Live and Die in L.A. Makes sense, right? Another fucking gorgeous movie. Like, and the color saturation and stuff like that was just like, wow. Like, I watched the Criterion Collection version, too, and it's like, what, like in 4K remaster or whatever, and it's fucking gorgeous. Like, it mm -hmm. is. It absolutely is. The slow burn is interesting. 
Rachel was not enthused like when we were watching it. She oh, was like, I can't I can't think of a movie that she would like less than this. I don't think almost right. Like there's just like nothing. She just she was like that was a movie. And I was like oh yeah yeah. It was weird. There was there was definitely some like emotional fast connections I felt when I was watching it though. So that was interesting. Like more so than I thought, but also not as many as I thought for like a movie that's essentially a road movie. Are you glad that you watched it or are you just overall like it doesn't matter? No, I'm glad that I watched it. This is okay. it, I, this feels sometimes when we watch Criterion Collection movies, I'm like this was fucking useless. This felt like a movie that has a place, right? Like I can see why people love it. It didn't work for me. So I'm like I watched that once. I'm glad that I can say that I watched that. It's a good movie. I don't need to revisit it. But I can. I'm glad that I've like now have that in my portfolio of movies I've seen. What I'm about to say is like a weird kind of couched between a couple different things. Like knowing that I am kind of a film snob, but that I also actually hate real film snobs. And yes. like I appreciate Criterion Collection, but a lot of them just like I don't. I don't like. I see your top ten best films list. I'm not gonna watch that. Like I just whatever. Yep. But yep. like for as slow and as kind of plotless as a lot of this is, I think it's a very approachable movie. Like there's a lot in the Criterion right. Collection that is just like. I think the last three that we watched are all very approachable, but there's other ones that are just like very slow and in black and white or in a different language. Like the fact that this is like, and they're highlighting it for a reason that's not. They're highlighting it for for what it means to film at the time, not because it's a good movie. I I share a Criterion Channel subscription for a couple friends. My one friend was like, "Oh, I just found out about this thing." I'm like, "Oh, just you know, we'll give you a login or whatever, right?" So he has, he's on board now too, and he's like, "I think I feel like you could put on any of these movies and just enjoy it." And I was like, "That's probably not true." He's like, "Well, at least appreciate it." I was like, "Okay." that's a better word for it because like there's a lot of these that are just like brutally slow and just like exquisitely well made that are just like not enjoyable but i feel like even if you're not on board with the pacing or the plotting or whatever the fact that it's in english is a big thing right big, um, huge huge yeah like if this movie was in french you'd be like oh, fuck, what no yes i would have bailed like yeah and the fact that it's so beautiful to look at like if this was again like in black and white like if, if it's hitchcock black and white maybe but like if it's seconds black and white like that was shot in a good way but like i don't think that the lighting really like the hitchcock lighting was well whatever yes. but like yeah there's a lot about this movie that even if you hate it you're like oh I'm interested to see where this is going because, like, I can. I, there's there's pathways in. Like, it looks like a modern movie. It's in English. Uh, there's yep. actors that I kind of know. Like, it's just as Criterion and sort of snobby as it can be at times. It's also like, oh no, this is actually like it's doable. It feels it feels like an Oscar movie. Like this was this was a movie that would be in Oscar talks, which I think sometimes differs from movies that are in Criterion Collection. I always try to watch all the Oscar movies. I know that you have different takes on Oscars, but like I try to watch them because they're like people that watch a lot of movies as shitty as the people that pick these are like, there's usually the reasons why they pick these movies, right? This felt like it had those reasons. Like it's beautiful. The director is great. The acting is great. There's great scenes in it. Like those are the kind of things like I like to hang, hang on to when I'm seeing these, but you're right. I've seen a lot of criterion collection movies and I'm like, what the fuck did I just do with that time? Well, I think, like, comparing the two, I think that both the Oscars and the Criterion Collection both, like, select things that are supposedly, like, culturally relevant to yes. the time. Oh, Green Book might not be the best movie, but, like, it's the one that means the most to our society right now. Even though, like, it's not, but, like, yes, it's yes. what people perceive it to be, right? And yep. so it's the – I think that they're both of that kind where they want to preserve, like, a slice in history. Like, like we're talking about, like, these 1985 movies – didn't hold up in terms of like like Amadeus is huge or whatever the other ones like have been seen by 3,000 people which they might be great movies but they don't have the resonance at least you know in terms of what this because this movie means a lot to a lot of people but I think like overall in terms of like bringing it back to what 
we're talking about here, I think there's a lot of like found family here. Like I was thinking about from points of view of like, it's themes about the Fast and Furious, but in a way that we would never see the story. Like, can you imagine a Fast and Furious movie where Letty is effectively like, I don't know if I'm ready to be a mom. Yeah. I wasn't a mom and now I'm just mother to a child who's not mine. Yeah. And like, maybe she would love it, but there also might be like existential crisis. And I'm just thinking like, that's not at all. No, anyway, what, what a Fast and Furious movie would ever be, but like it could be. When we had the the whole hinge of this movie being about the child and him coming back for it and somebody else raising it, this could have easily been a Dom, Letty, Elena yeah. situation, right? Like you know, Mia taking care of the kid, being like Dom, you left. Like we had him for a while now. Like this is Brian and mine's kid, and he's like, but like Dom's his dad. Yeah, like I I definitely saw a lot of weird parallels to that. <laughs> In ways that I was like, oh god, that would be like the worst Fast and the Furious movie for me ever. Like a really like dark Fast and the Furious take. Like an emotionally tolling one. Not in the sense of like, we know Paul Walker is actually dead in real life. But like, seeing like Letty like struggle with like her being a mom, like you said. But like, I would love that. Like, I don't think no, it, would no. not, it would not make money. But like, that would be... Because like, what we like about the movies, like what we dig into is the backstory and the character development. Like, give us like an existent, like a Letty on the verge of, I don't know if I can handle this, Dom. It depends It depends on which way we do this, okay? So I'm thinking about it in two ways right now. If we did 75% of Fast and the Furious movies, so it was like corny and like somebody got reanimated. Cool, I'm in with like some Letty existential crisis stuff. If we did 75% Paris, Texas, where it was just like brooding the whole time and slow, I'll be like, oh God, this is a really bad Fast and the Furious movie. Depends on what I think. I think it would need to be like a spin-off, like solo, a Star Wars story. It'd have to be like Letty, a Fast and Furious story, and it's just like all black and white, and it's her just oh, moody and like rain <laughs> and like in French because she's smoking a cigarette. Like, yeah. I just don't know if I can. I can. I don't know if I can be mother to this child, Dominic. Yeah, like one of those times where like this really, if you would extend out Los Bandoleros, you might actually wind up with something like this, right? It does feel. Yeah, it does feel like that. This this would be the kind of movie that Vin Diesel would want to make. Like he wants to get weird and not weird but like he wants to get deep and like emotional with the characters right i think that yeah if we had more of the like letty getting to dom and los bandoleros it would look a lot like this movie i think yeah yeah that's part of my brains that I, I never connected oh god thematically as well we're talking about like the significance of paris texas like i don't know that they ever really wind up in paris texas but like in paris texas the main guy travis uh, has bought a plot of land because his dad told him that like that's where like he and his mother met and fell in love and made love for the first time and so yes. it's like oh so there's a very familial connection there and and he thinks he was conceived there yes also appropriate to Dominic Toretto's father, Travis's dad died in a car crash. Oh, I didn't catch that one. Yeah, man. No, I got some other car things, but I totally missed that his dad died in a car crash. Yeah, when he and his son are like looking through the photo album, and he's just he like, said he died this? recently, this? This? like a couple years before that picture. I heard that part. Picture was taken a couple years before, yeah, before he died, but he's like, yeah, he died in that car. Oh, okay. Okay. I don't think he was racing. Like I don't think it was on a racetrack. <laughs> in this movie, Travis is terrified to fly, and maybe that's part of it. But like, you would think that, like, if his dad died in a car crash, he might be terrified to drive. And seems maybe that's why he walked. But it feels he feels okay in a car, right? No, so, he's fine in a car. He's fine in a car. But I was really surprised because like, there's also a part in this movie where, like, 
essentially like let's let's bring the memories back to him like let's show him the, the home videos of like him and his wife and whatever and like race the memories i am so surprised we haven't seen toretto home movies oh yeah. like a scene like this like dom dom's like brian let me show you something that is like so easily in the wheelhouse of both the characters and the world and the movies yeah like, how have we not seen that yeah we get like a picture of Dom's dad that's like in the garage and we get the well, like well, this we assume been a, is his dad, right? I think he points to it and is like, that's my dad up there. I think I think so. I don't remember. This would have been a great thing for them to have been like watching instead of the Rob Cohen movie when they're like, you know, put a dress on, make the pop make your own damn popcorn. Like they would have been watching like old race videos. Yeah. His dad racing and like Mia and Dom like home videos intertwined. You know what I mean? Just some like bald little 12 year old. <laughs> I imagine Dom being bald and as a child. I do. Came out of the womb bald, stayed bald. Exactly. It's aerodynamic. Also, this movie is a story about brothers. So we have Dom and Jacob now. And like fan, like they're talking about like maybe he died in a car. Cr- like they're talking about car crashes too. And, you know, just you know, thematically tying in there. But I feel like there's a lot here that is like not about cars, but about cars. No, there is. And even so one of the things like one of the car, because, you know, they spent so much time in a car. But one of the car things that um I really liked that reminded me of a Fast and the Furious line when he's like, OK, I can drive now like well do you remember he's like my body remembers and i was yeah. like that sounds like such a dom toretto line right yeah. like if they're like dom like you just you just got wrecked he's like i don't remember who i am and he's like do you know how to drive my body remembers a, a very funny line like that's funny because of what you're reading into it. it's not supposed to be funny in the movie no it's a not movie funny that, in the movie. there's a line at the end of that road trip that is funny where they get back and he's like he's asking his brothers like hey so what do you do he's like oh i'm in advertising i like help billboards he's like oh you're the one who does billboards i like those he's like i don't do every billboard <laughs> like and like i, I liked them actually you know seeing them put the billboard up i thought it was pretty cool because i didn't know it, yes. it was just very funny to be like oh you're the billboard guy it's like well, how do you think the world works like there's not <laughs> one billboard guy exactly and i also like when you first see him like when they find out his brother is there you're at the like billboard shop right like where he's like making them and there's just like a giant picture of babs like barbara streisand by like you know 20 by 20 just like right in front of him and i'm like that's so interesting for this movie like to start out like that like just to have her just huge huge portrait in the middle of it like but yeah the billboard thing was pretty good also where we wound up we wind up in los angeles which is very you know on brand for us as well oh we go to his house his house is kind of on a hill did this not feel like the road that brian races around and drives down that leads to toretto's market and cafe when brian's um chasing the guys on the motorcycles when he's chasing johnny oh oh yeah i guess kind of i was thinking when you were saying brian racing around i was thinking at the beginning of what would that be six where they think we think that they're racing Dom versus Brian, but they're actually just racing to the hospital. There's like the windy road there. No, no, no. This this is way more like the street that the that he's driving the Supra. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I mean, I know that you were like living in Google Maps for an hour at a time or whatever the, yeah. the last few times. So like, I think you're more familiar. But yeah, I can see that. I can buy that. The house is kind of found, found uh, felt familiar. And like where it is in the area and stuff, I was like, oh, this is very relatable because he like he like comes up, makes the turn. There's all those houses right there. It's on a big hill. They go down the hill. I was like, this seems like this could be that place. There is one thing pivoting for a moment. There's one thing that I think was it was not meant to be progressive. I think I don't think, but I think in retrospect could be seen that way. But like there's a weird, not weird is the wrong word, but like an unusual type of family where it's like 
effectively stepmom and stepdad, like adopted mom and adopted dad that he, the kid thinks like he's been raised, like this yes. is your actual mom and dad. There's his actual dad who like he breaks the, the brother, Travis's brother breaks the news to the kid like, hey, we're getting your actual dad. Like, what do you remember? He's like, I think he was skinny. I don't know. No, I don't think they were like that. hiding it from him though. It's it, it's like, they like always told him like, you know, you have a dad and it's this other guy. Well, because they were, there's the, arg- they're arguing at two o'clock in the morning that one night and they're talking about like, how are we supposed to break it to the kid? Like there's, I think they're like, they're kind of telling him maybe half truths, but I think he's just like, hey, like this is my mom and dad. But then anyway, he, he eventually calls yes. Travis' Very dad. Cool. He's like, you know, good night, dad. Good night, dad. And then at school the next day, He's talking to his friend, and his friend's like, how do you have two fathers? And I was like, oh, this is interesting. He's just like, just lucky, I guess, which I thought was a very cool, like, ew, you have two dads? It's like, no, like, two dads is awesome, right? So, like, <laughs> yeah. No, this is this is the thing that, like, kids don't notice. Kids are so tolerant and accepting, right? So, like. Yeah, you have to be taught to hate, right? Yeah, you have to be taught to hate. So, if you were like, dude, you have two dads? You'd, he's you like, mom you know, I'm just. And two dads? Yeah, yeah, and he's like, yeah, just lucky, man. I got two sets of parents, and you're like, yep, yeah, that's pretty cool. Like, you don't read into it, right? That's very. I did like this a lot, and that was actually one of my favorite scenes too. That the kids are just like, okay, cool, bye, see you later, have fun with your two dads, like, because that's how it plays out in real life. Like, the kids aren't going to be fucking weird about it without like yeah. their parents being like, oh, he has two dads. This is weird. Yeah, maybe that kid goes home and tells his parents like, oh yeah, my friend's got two dads. Like, what? Don't talk to that kid. Like, we don't yeah. see that. But yes. <laughs> We leave that part of the movie out for sure. But then the next day he like goes back to school because like them walking home like on opposite sides of the streets and like, you know, walking forwards and backwards and crushing like uh, just amazing. Very cute. But then the next day he goes back to school and like picks the kid up like just in the middle of the day. She's like, hey, come over here. And they like go under a bridge and like eat. What were those white blocks? Do you know what those white blocks were? Yes. I wanted to know what they were. Rachel looked it up. It's um the laughing cow cheese. Oh, okay. Okay. So they're like baby bell like cheese things like the wrapped ones that you get so in they're eating store. that and french fries in mcdonald's it's half mcdonald's half his lunch from school gotcha okay so they're like eating that and he's like hey i'm gonna go to i know where your mom is i'm gonna go get your mom he actually talks to him very much like an adult it's really weird he's like hey i need to go see your mom and he's like well i want to come with you and he's like well bud like you have this family here so like i don't know when we're gonna come back so like you could stay here you know like it's fine. I just have to go see your mom. And he's like, no, I'll come with you. And I was like, that's a really cool thing for me. I like when people talk to kids like adults, but not even in movie form. Like those two felt like they were just having a conversation. Right. And what's difficult is that like the kid in this movie is like incredibly smart and he never comes off annoying. I'm like, I don't know how you wrote it like that and how the kid delivered it, especially since like that kid never acted before. He was the son of the guy, not the, not the, the playwright, Sam Shepard, but the guy I think who like finished the screenplay. Cause like Sam Shepard went off to write something else. So like this other guy came in to like help write it. It's like his son is this kid and like his mom was on set like helping him memorize the lines like this kid's not an actor and he nails like precocious kid yep. in a way that's not cutesy or annoying it's just like this is just like a cool kid yeah he's just like a super smart normal kid which is amazing very hard to pl- play in film you're right but then like the wildest thing just like a very 80s thing i think is like he's like okay yeah i'm gonna go like when do we leave and he's like we gotta go now like we're gonna go get we're gonna go buy supplies like we got like toothbrushes and like sleeping bags or whatever we're gonna get out of here and they just start driving to houston and they pull off at the side of the road you know the next scene or whatever it's in san bernardino it's at night and like he's like i need you to call collect and call your house i need you to call your mom because if i call she's gonna get mad at me so like yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. He makes the kid call home, and like his parents are just like making dinner and like casually walk over the phone. I'm like, if this was like today, they would yep. be freaking out. Police would be there. It would be like a crime scene. Like, where is this kid? But they're just like, where are you? San yeah, Bernardino. Like hold on. Talk to your mom. Yeah, yeah. Like if you had this now, it's like like Amber Alert. Like everything, right? Like you're done. You know, back then, if he could like walk home on his own and like gets in gets rides from his friends without telling anyone, and there's no cell phones, yeah, it's totally normal that he could have like went dicking around with one of his friends and didn't tell them, and like shows up later. He says he called everywhere to look for him. But like, yeah, but they're they're, just, they're literally just like drinking a glass of wine and making dinner, and like I don't know, just very relaxed. I mean, I guess I I bet they probably figured at some point that like he was with his dad. Exactly. Like, I guess they think fine, but it's also like they're not seemingly worried at all. And then she's like, "Come home right now." He's like, "What should I do?" And Harry Dean Stanton's like, "Just hang up." He's like, "My mom just hangs." It's it's very funny. Just zero, and like they're just like, "Okay." Like apparently in the script, they were originally all supposed to go, and then the mom was going to be like, "I had to go back," and she turned back, and the dad like started walking through the desert. Like it was this weird like parallel to the opening of the movie, and then like the other two are going to continue on. But like this way, I think is a lot cleaner. Like they get dropped, which yes. is kind of. A bummer for those actors but it's also like it makes more sense i guess it works yeah and you don't have to like include them later on down in the movie so fine by me totally cool but yeah like i just i was thinking about how i'm like this is not going to end well and like it doesn't end poorly like it's just like oh yeah like i guess be safe essentially right like a weird that's what i was thinking too like you have to imagine that like his dad just came back they're rekindling the relationship he's like talking again he's not as weird as normal like they know that they're like kind of buddies now so like if he like took him to like spend an evening of like you know taking him mini golfing or something it's not that weird he's just driving you know a thousand miles across the country yeah <laughs> the other the other thing yeah uh, so there's a couple cars in this movie there is the ford ranchero it's a 1959 ford ranchero and there's an 84 old Cutlass Supreme, but my favorite car moment in this movie is that they're staking out the bank where they know that the mom is going to make the deposit, right? And like Harry Dean Stanton's like over, like basically in a getaway lane. Yes. And the kid is like watching the the pneumatic tube, like you know the, the drive-through spots. Yes. And they have a walkie-talkie or whatever. And the kid sees what he thinks is the mom because he's like looking at the picture or whatever. And he like he wakes up Harry Dean Stanton who fell asleep. He like runs back over the car and Harry says like, what, "What what what's the car look like?" He's like, "I don't know. It's red." It's like that's like so the game uh, that we play where it's like, "I don't know. It's red." Like I, I can't. <laughs> He's like, well, there's two red cards. Like, which of those? He's like, ah, guy, the left one, I guess. Like, it's just very, like, not, like, he's right, but it's also, like, not helpful in the slightest. Yeah, he's like, I think it was a Chevy. And he's like, okay. He's like, now there's two of them. And he's like, yeah, it's the left one. It's the left one. It's the left one. He's a little red Chevy. And I was like, ooh, is this like a Prince, like little red Corvette? Ooh. And then then there's like the two red cars. And it's like another red car after they split. And I'm like, this is like the beginning of Baby Driver where like he just blends in with the other red cars. And like, it just, but it all works. Like, it's just like, I guess Us, yeah. he was meant to be. We could have done like the Wells version of this movie. And like the mom just turns and they're like, well, we missed her. And just like the movie ends. It was the right one. He's like, fuck it. <laughs> or he comes back and she's like, oh yeah, she was next door. She like she came back. Like she's been here. Like, okay. Cool. Yeah, exactly. I looked up speaking of red cars, I looked up because like obviously like the the way the movie looks is beautiful, but also, you know, just the colors themselves just pop and like there's a lot of reds and whites and blues yes, and greens yes, and like yes. Do you have impressions? Because I looked up, and I'm sure you could kind of read in any sort of way, but I guess there's one that's kind of sort of what I was picking up on. But did you notice any themes of, like, what they could mean or no? Themes of the colors? Yeah. 
No. When I watch movies like this, this is like only Goss forgives for me, where like when it's beautiful like that, like I get drawn into the color and the shot and I, I lose some of the periphery stuff. Like I can't think beyond those. I get stimulated. So I looked up, so I was trying to make sense of it because I was trying to just not think about that kind of stuff and just be into it. But I'm like, they're so boldly like there's, you know, drapes and couches are like striking reds and blues and like very clearly chosen for a reason, right? Yes, I was thinking that too. Whenever he like goes to like the first hotel room, I'm like, this stuff is all set up like way too beautifully for it to just be like, we found this place, right? Like right. it doesn't, none of it looks like this was found. It was all like very well chosen. I watched a video on like color theory in this movie and like the red, white, and blue talking about like the Americana and the American dream and like wanting to have this like perfect family and just all, you know, the brother and the sister-in-law are like in a lot of red, white, and blue and the kid like at home is wearing red, white, and blue and just like, okay. that's what embodies like the American family, like this happy home or whatever. And the green, which is not a, a way that I've read green before as a color, but it's about like despair and loss and like mm. you know him walking through the grass like he's got the red like he's he still wants to find that americana again this is like kind of film snobbery reading mm-hmm. into whatever but like it makes sense and like at the end what i thought was kind of interesting is that like when they all have their happy reunion the mom and the kid are both wearing green but he's bathed in green outside and it's like i guess it's all like unclear like where we go from here like we don't like i guess it was red white and blue would be a happier ending the movie would have you but like mm. i was like i don't it kind of makes sense but like it also just kind of looks cool i was i was into the colors as looking cool i didn't read anything into them so that's interesting to me but the one scene in particular where the colors are kind of taken away is that second peep show scene yeah like there's no filters like it's just like she's in like a black shirt and like there's no like harsh red white or blue it's just like this is just them like opening up like honest to each other right so it's and the like light a, shining on his face like when she turns the light off is really really nice too i agree yeah. Any other fast connections or any other notes that you have? Parking garage roof shot, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which I was like, oh, that feels like, you know, one and seven. And then they have like a part where like the, a train crosses in front of the car, which I mean, we've seen now in a bunch of these um, classic car movies when we were doing that, yeah. that lap. So those were my those were my main fast connections. Harry Dean Stanton did say this is his favorite movie that he was ever in. OK, which is pretty cool. He had been in 100 movies before this, which is crazy. So like Insane. he died at 91, like in my like my entire life, he's always been an old man. He was 58 in this movie. And like this was 36 years. Like it just it's crazy that like I was like, oh, maybe we'll have young. Harry. No, it's not young Harry Dean Stanton. He's still 58 years old. The woman who plays his girlfriend, former girlfriend. Natasha Kinski was like 25 or something like she's very young both her character is young but she's also young too and so I think he was worried about the age difference the director like convinced him like oh no it's gonna be fine you're gonna be good and it turned out good I didn't think I wasn't like this is weird he seemed older but not like crazy old right like I think it also makes sense like why they don't really work out yeah that could play into it too for sure yeah because even if it's not explicit like he probably as like a 50 year old man or so like might want to settle down somewhat and she's 25 or 17 18 he says right and like she wants to yeah. she doesn't want to be like with this old dude who like maybe was like a fun fling that they you know she got knocked up or whatever but like i can't just be like I, I, this is not the life i envisioned right so yeah yeah that happens all the time man for sure i tried it for a while it didn't you know yeah oh the kid forgot the kid loves space and he says at one point dad when are they gonna make spaceships like they make cars and i was like oh boy 
comet suit. Yeah, and he references Star Wars at one point, too. Yeah, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Yeah, that's true. But, like, he goes to Houston, I think, in part, not only because his mom is there, but also because, like, oh, that's where the space station is. Or, like, that's where yeah, the, he you says know, that. Yeah, that's right. The command center is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is the kind of movie that, I don't know, you know, I, I think that some people try to follow along while we talk about these, but other people just listen, whatever. I think this is one of those ones where, like, even if we, as we spoil what happens, like, it's still one that you could, because, again, not plot-based, it's character-based and theme-based and visual, right? So I think you could, even if you listen to this, like, check it out if you have the time and want a slower movie. It is. It's It's pretty. It's one that I don't regret watching, but it wasn't, like oh my god, this is, like, my favorite movie of all time. Like, I definitely respect it, for sure. Like, I, I I put some esteem on this, put some respect on the name of this movie. It's definitely, you could watch it, though. Like, I wouldn't I wouldn't distract anyone from watching it. I would never tell anybody not to watch it, right? Like, I'd be like, like no, I hated this, Joey loved it, or something like that. I'd be like, yeah, like, it's it's long and slow, but yeah. Rachel hated it. No, my wife well, hated it, never... you might watch it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, she is a very different palette, so. Sure. All right, let's watch the trailer, the trailer from 10 years ago, uh, the Paris, Texas trailer by the Criterion Collection, 1 million views, Paris, Texas trailer, 1984, the Criterion Collection. Oh, and this is the Criterion Collection trailer, Yep. which I don't know, I guess that would mean it's the original, right? Like, they wouldn't make a new trailer for it, I don't think. They could? I don't know that they would. It doesn't feel like something they would do. Let me know when you're ready. I'm ready whenever you are. All right, three, two, one, play. Criterion Collection Circle. 20th Century Fox. Oh, yeah, and, like, them, like, leaving, because both he and the girlfriend both, like, did story. Like, we don't see hers, but, like, they tell stories to each other, like, via tape recorder, right? Because they can't oh, yeah. bear to talk to people in person. I like when he puts the suit on. That's cute, too, when he wants to look like a rich dad. That was a cute part of this movie. I also like the maid or the the helping like the helper in this. Like, yes, could have been a racist caricature, but like wasn't. Like she was just like genuine, like a well written like let me help you be a cool dad. Like a, you want to look like a rich dad or a poor dad. Yep, and you can only be one or the other. <laughs> I guess rich dad then. Him standing outside was so cool. Four years. Is four years a long time? Is four years a long time? This trailer, like, like visually looks good, but, like, the actual restored version looks so much Way much better. I thought that, too, dude. I'm with you. What's out there? I gotta go away now. Why? Because I'm gonna find her. Okay, I see, I see the cheese now in his hand. I get yeah. it. The red hallway. How red this place is. Yeah. I wanna find her, too. Also, yeah, the kids sitting in the back of the truck, like on the walkie-talkie. I'm like, that doesn't seem safe, but also it's the '80s. It's fine. Yeah. You're right. He's a cute kid, man. Wild. She was very beautiful, you know. And he, he loved her more than. She's just so beautiful, Natasha Kinski. Like she's, I think, second build, and she doesn't show up for like an hour, and then she's like re not really in it for like the last like 25 minutes. Yep. Yep. One of the most acclaimed films of the decade. Harry Dean Stanton, Nastasia Kinski, Dean Stockwell, Kinski, yeah. and introducing Hunter Carson. Hunter Carson's the kid, yeah. Okay. Is there something? I don't know. Is there something I can do for you? These weird peep show themed rooms are very strange to me. 
What's funny to me, again, funny might, no, actually, if I might be using funny in the right way here. It's the structure that, like, the Grindhouse trailers ape, because they're of the time, but, like, the complete opposite end of the spectrum in terms of what movie it is, right? It's just, like, Paris, Texas. Just, like, a very, like, <laughs> even yes. line reading of, like, Thanksgiving. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's just what trailers used to be. Like, I guess we weren't really selling movies back then. I don't know. I mean, you were, but, like, there was a, there was a structure to it, yeah. Okay. So than now. So we're going to do a special, since this is episode 150, we're going to do a quick and a sort of an abbreviated version of the Letterbox game, which I'll explain why in a second. But we're going to do a car guessing game because okay. episode 150 was originally going to be a Nico Kevo episode. Hector had sent in another dating game, three different cars. We're going to do that. I want to commemorate 150, but also I'll explain why more in a second. But, okay. So I was looking, you know, Mad Max Fury Road, the most logged film on Letterbox has been seen, by, or one of the most logged films, has been seen by 675,000 people, right? Yes. I was looking because, like, you know, Paris, Texas, I was saying, is the number one, number 51 movie on Letterboxd in terms of average rating, has a 4.33. So, like, very high. The oh, most common high. rating on Letterboxd's movie is a 5, right? I like guess yep. just. Insane. So, I was like, I wonder what the most, what the number one movie is. And it's Parasite, which is maybe a little recency biased, but also Parasite rules. Parasite has been seen by 785,000 people. So, like, 110,000 more than Mad Max. Like, it came out, you know, four years after Mad Max. Yeah. So like that is a staggering number. Yeah. Also just, it's, it, you know, Parasite just, you know, the bong high people love Bong Joon-ho, right? So anyway. Yeah, of course. I just saw that number and I was like, holy shit, like not even just a little bit above Mad Max, but like a hundred thousand plus above Mad Max. But we'll still use Mad Max as our, as our baseline. Yeah, that's always our ruler. Paris, Texas, 1984, directed by Wim Wenders, starring Harry Dean Stanton, Natasha Kinski, Dean Stockwell, and introducing Hunter Carson has been seen by how many people? Fuck, this is hard. He said it has great ratings. Apparently, people love this movie. Criterion Collection. Mm-hmm. Uh, 85,000 people. Gotta go higher. 125,000. Somewhere in between. One more. 107. 103, 307. 103,000 people. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. And it's, this isn't a new movie. That's a lot. Out of those 103,000, how many have it in their top four? Oh, stupid high. I'm going to go, oh, fuck, what was it last time? Something, the last one we had was like like 1,200 or something stupid, and I didn't expect that. For what, for seconds or for Spellbound? One of them was like a really, really high number, and I didn't expect it. So seconds had 152, Spellbound had 48. Okay, okay. Well, so by Spider- Spider-Man, maybe. Hold on. Spider-Man at 208. Yeah, that's still low. Okay, I'm going to go for this one, 425. Way higher. Really? 1,200. Way higher. Oh, fuck. Um, 2,600. Way higher. Really? 48 and I'm done. 4,700 people have this in their top four. Jesus. Like four and a half or 5% of all people who have logged this have this in their top four. By the way, uh, Parasite, do you want to guess how many people have put Parasite in their top four out of 785,000? <laughs> um, 40, I'm going to guess like 47,000. No, it's not that high. It's 22,000 though. It's crazy. It's, it's, That's it's a, yeah, it's crazy high. Ridiculous. Like just like, it's a stupid amount. Yep. Um, the reason I don't really want to do like, there are so many people I could click on and like, I found one, but like, it's not, it's not a great one. So like, I don't even want to do mind whatever so like that's why i wanted to also do the car game because like the other half of the letterbox game is kind of underwhelming so we're gonna do the what hector says the bachelorette game show car picture so he's got a trio of cars and he wants to do the parlorette game
very different, except that they represent different types of motorsports. They're all Japanese, oh. because they're the best. Okay, okay. Okay, so if you remember, we did this on episode 100. So Joe is asking Bachelor number one, Bachelor number two, and Bachelor number three questions about these cars to try to get some clues. And I will give kind of more specific, more helpful clues if I can in response. So please hit me with anything you want to go. Hi, nice to meet you, all of you. (laughs) (laughs) My name's Joe. I have a question for all of you. Could you describe... If we were taking a drive, what kind of road you would you would like to take a drive on? Well, the interesting thing is that we all love different kinds of roads. I'm That's so what I glad thought. You asked. It's it, you guys. Yeah, it seems like it. You know, uh, bachelor. This is me, bachelorette number one, right now talking, and I would say that you know, I, I, I love a, I love a nice drive down Main Street. You know, I, I can kind of go on the highway. I can go on the byway. I can go down Main Street. I would say, you know. I can take you most places you want to go when I've been around the block a time or two, if you know what I mean. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> Sounds good. That's that's perfect. I, 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 too, have been around the block. So, yes. This is Bachelorette number two right now. Like, yeah? I, I really... You know what my favorite drive to do is? I love what? hopping in the car, putting the kids in the back, loading the suitcases with all the luggage in the back, 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 and just being like, you know what? Taking a trip. We're just going up to the coast. And we're going to go, you know, spend the weekend at my parents' house or wherever, just a cabin somewhere. You know what I mean? But like, we're just, we're going on a trip. We're like, a, like an excursion. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of space. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Bachelor number three. Well, bachelor number two said about the, uh, the windy road. I love a windy road. I love one where it's, uh, it's the precision of it all. It's the, you know, show me that you're a great driver, you know, show me, show me how you drift and I'll show you who you are. And you're like a little, like, okay. Okay. Oh, let's see here. Bachelorette number one. If I was if I was coming to pick you up, would I sit in the front or the back, or do you not have a back seat? Do have a back seat. Thank you for asking. Thank okay. you for noticing. I think either one. I think you know it's a. I'm a. I'm a. I'm a. How mo- curvy I'm a very are you back there? Girl. Pretty boxy. Pretty boxy. Okay. Okay. In some of these pictures, I do like to get a little dirty though. <laughs> oh. Oh. Okay. 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 Also, I'm white. <laughs> Well, that's one of my criteria, so perfect. <laughs> this is fully 1980s dating game. <laughs> Bachelorette number two. Mm-hmm. I like to do adventure things. Do you like adventure things? I love adventure things. If we um were taking a trip to go, you know, somewhere spacious, could I possibly put, like, my bikes there or snowboards or something? Like, do you have some space for that? Maybe on top of the car or something? You know, I, I googled um, what uh, the type of car that I am, and I, I got a couple different definitions here that seem to be at odds with one another. I, I you know, I, I was talking about how, you know, I like to put all the luggage in the back, which seems like one of these definitions for sure. But like looking at my car, looking at myself in the mirror, I don't know that that's actually true. Okay. It does look like I have a, a, a big a big rear, but I wouldn't say no. I, I don't think you really put um, you can't really put bikes on me. I think I'm more uh, I'm a little sportier. I'm a little uh, okay. You know, I, I like to wear you know Lululemon. Just you know, get out there and just keep myself uh, in shape. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Bachelor number three. Mm-hmm. Uh, how old are you? I hear you like Paris, Texas. Here, it's your favorite movie of all time. You know, it came out a couple of years before I was born. Couple before. For you, the literal born. definition of a couple. Do you have anything special about you, Bachelor Number Three? Like, do you have any type of special engine components? Engine. Let me find out. Let me. Let me. You know. Let me. Uh. 
I'll take it. Let me take my top off for you. And then <laughs> going on. We in the beep show, firmly in the beep show room. We are firmly. You know, you mind if I just take my sweater off? Yeah, exactly. I don't think so. What I will say though, I like to get myself right and also tight, so I don't weigh a lot. I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Light. cheap date. I'm a cheap date, if you know what I mean. Cheap date. Uh, and you can really do what you want with me. That, that doesn't help. Okay. Also, I love drifting. Oh, I know. <laughs> I, I also, that. I was featured heavily in the anime series Initial D, which we talked about, I think, forever oh, ago. Oh, okay. And okay. I've been called a cult icon. Okay. Inextricably interwoven with the earliest days of drifting. Um, Is it a Toyota? I am. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Uh, bachelorette number one. Mm-hmm. Are you... By any chance, we're all from different families, by the way. I I, I imagine clear. so. Does anybody ever confuse you for Australian? Oh boy, I remember talking about this a while ago. I need to remember what this means. No, I don't think so. Oh, fuck. Can you be more specific with what you're actually asking? <laughs> are you Subaru? I am not. None of us are. Fuck. Okay, cool. No Subarus. That's what I thought. That's what I thought with the, the yeah. emblem or whatever. But yeah, no. None of us are Subarus. And nobody's like a van, right? Nope. We are all cars. Bachelorette number one. Can I can I make a guess? I don't know what two is. Can I make some guesses? Sure. One, is it like an I Evo? I think I still exist, by the way. I think number one, I still exist. Is it a Mitsubishi? Uh-huh. Is it like an Evo rally sport? Some kind of nope. Evo? Some kind of Lancer rally sport? Nope. Oh, but it's a car I've heard of. It's a rally car? Uh, you're playing with dirty. I was hoping I stopped being made a couple years ago. I'm, um, how do I describe me? Mitsubishi Eclipse? Nope. Because, like, what else would be like the, the sporty ones? I'm just, I know I'm more of like an everyday kind of compact sedan. Oh, really? Like a gallant? Uh huh. Oh, damn. Okay, cool, cool, cool. It means chivalrous. Damn, that was like, that's like run of the mill fucking sedan. Okay, I that's thought I said okay. that's why I was trying to go with Main Street. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, 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 okay. Three. Uh, Toyota FD. Uh, nope. What is it? A Corolla? It's a kind... So, the FD, name of right? it is part of a series of a Corolla line, but there's more specific than just a Corolla. Then what's the... What is it? I'm the AE86 series of the Toyota Corolla 11 and the Toyota Sprinter Trueno. Oh, Trueno! AE87. Ah. Yeah, he always... Yeah, he talks about that. And all I got for two is like, is it like a... Like a fucking van? No. Okay. Like a station wagon, some kind of no. wagony type thing. So here's here's where the confusion comes in. So okay. number two is a touring car. Okay. Which is apparently both a type of race car and just like a, a car that you like load the kids up in the in the in the luggage. But this is more of a race car, more of a sportier car than the other. Like grand touring. I will say this very near and dear to your heart for uh, specific reasons related to this podcast. For specific reasons related to this podcast, this car is near and dear to my heart, and it's Japanese. Mm-hmm. Is it a Supra? No. Nope. We had a Toyota, didn't we? Or no, did we not? We had a Toyota. It was the third one. But, but we're they're all, all different, different families. Yeah, they're all different. So is this one an, uh, like a Honda, an Acura? Nope, nope. Is it Subaru, Mitsubishi? Is it a Mazda? Nope. Which one am I missing? Brian O'Connor would be very disappointed. Nissan? Mm-hmm. Is it is it a Skyline? Mm-hmm. So what the fuck are you putting luggage in the sky? Well, because I go <laughs> there, it's got a big biggish trunk, kind of sort of. <laughs> I was firmly convinced this was like 
Brian's Dodge Grand Caravan from like seven. Instead of actually looking at the car, I was more so in in the uh, the touring car of it all because I was like, I don't know, because <sighs> he he wrote Nissan Skyline R32 GTR touring car. So I was like, oh, what's a touring car? I was like, oh, and like I didn't look at the car pictures again. <laughs> Well played, sir. Whoops. But yeah. It's all good. Uh, we got there eventually. We got there eventually. But thank you, Hector, for sending that in. I hope you enjoyed our Dude, the bland cars are fucking hard, man. Like if you like if you send in like like a regular Chevy Impala, it's like, what the fuck? Yeah, because like the Gallant VR4 is just like, oh, this is just a car that you would see in a parking lot. Then it's also <laughs> a human on like a dirt rally or whatever, but like it's just that yeah. And then like even the skyline like just kind of looks like like there's two different ones. I sent you all the pictures on Facebook, but like okay, let me see. there's like the regular skyline. Which is just like, oh, that kind of just looks like a car. And then there's like one that's like on a racetrack. Oh, this is an old ass Gallant that's like this rally one. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, it's okay. an 88 Gallant. It's a 91 Skyline and it's an AE86. So it's like three pictures and three pictures and four pictures. Yeah. And all the same, all the same fucking country is also hard. He did it to mess with you. And I think he won. I, I would say you got like, uh, you got partial credit on one, most credit on three, and then, you know, I, you almost, you were sort of misled a little bit by my errant Googling on two, but uh, it's all good. you didn't really hit a home run on any, but you were on base at least for two of them, so that's not Yeah, bad. yeah, that was difficult. That was very, very hard. We're not doing that again for another 50 episodes. <laughs> well, we don't have any more of those. We have other car pictures, but we have I know. One, two, I was just laughing. Three, four, five, six, seven more car pictures, I think, so we still got a lot, you know, considering we don't do these very often, but uh, I was yeah. just no, I was just like laughing that like, oof, they're tough. They're fucking tough. hard. Well, thank you, Hector, for sending that in. And thank, thank you, you to sir. all of you for listening for 150 episodes or however long you've been here. This is episode one. I think if this is the first episode you listen to, it's probably because you Googled Paris, Texas, and you're still not listening by the time this Bachelorette game car start, car game started. So like, you're not here. This is not anybody's first episode. If it is, <laughs> what? okay. Thank also, you. the timestamp was in the fucking description. Okay. If you're mad, it was right there. Just look down. <laughs> Boy, oh boy. But yes, thank you all for listening. Any other thoughts about anything, Joe? Or do you want to come back on Friday for your boy, Leo, in Shutter Island? No, I'm excited. I'm excited to talk about Shutter Island. For all things Too Fast, Too Forever, you go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash Too Fast, Too Forever, or at Too Fast, Too Forever on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, family at cageclub.me. Check out our Patreon page at TooFastTooForever.com and find our T Public store. I gotta get a better URL. We gotta have a vanity URL. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Just find it. Yeah. Search Too Fast Too Forever on T Public. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Too. And we'll tell you all about it when we see you again.